You're listening to TGP Extra. 29 and 28. Remanded in custody. There's something curious about this broadcast. It's always good to have a guest on the show, and it's always good to have a friend of the Garbage Pod on the show also. So we've got somebody on board right now who we really respect on the Garbage Pod because we've been following them for a a long time. We've uh, had them on the show. We've been out on the road with them. And um, it's a a great honour and a privilege to welcome back Gareth Jones. Hey, Mark. If you knew me, you wouldn't respect me. It's only a myth, I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a terrible man. Well, it's, it's been a while since we had you actually on the show. We've actually we spoke to you earlier this year when you were uh, celebrating your tenth anniversary of uh, Gareth Jones on Speed. Yeah, that was a heck of a night, wasn't it? Just <laughs> was wonderful. It was a, a, almost a life's ambition. I think I probably told you that at the time. Uh, you know, I never set out to be a telly presenter or a podcaster. I wanted to be, you know, a member of Slade. Yeah, and uh, somewhere along the line, I got distracted, but. Uh, putting a, a band together to play some of our songs live in front of the on-speed audience uh, meant that I got to realise my ambition of fronting a band. It was it was fantastic, and what a band! I was so so pleased with how good the band were they were far better than anything i could have imagined frankly they were amazing and uh, the funny thing for me was um i think you reckon realized i was there in the crowd when um you had a, a prize giveaway and um the prize was a wetsuit that you actually <laughs> wore during get fresh and i was like oh wow get fresh and i think at that point you realized yeah that's mark um uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing has been in my attic uh, since I got it 30 years ago. Actually, to be fair, I think it was 28 years ago. And it, it, it was made to measure for me, and it's got the Get Fresh logo written all over it. Made to measure for a, a, the version of me which existed in 1988. I was 27 years old. I'm now double that age. I'm 55 years old. And I can actually still fit in that wetsuit, wow. but it's a bit tight. It limits the movement a little bit, but I can zip it up. But I, I thought, <laughs> no, it's time to move it on to someone who wants it. I'll probably be on eBay somewhere, I hope. <laughs> So that was an awesome evening, but uh, what else have you been involved in since uh, the last time you came on the show? Well, the Tommy Cooper show is a project that I've been doing now for, uh, gosh, two or three years, perhaps three years this Christmas, where uh, I, I'm playing a, a dramatic role. It's the first time I've ever done any stage acting since I was a, a child. I was 14 the last time I did any theatre acting, uh, but I was invited to uh, tender for the role of Tommy Cooper's manager, a man called Miff Ferry, uh, in a touring production of The Tommy Cooper Show that's uh, ongoing all the time, all the way around the country. And it's been remarkable. Uh, I love doing it. There is an enormous satisfaction to acting on stage with uh, a company of extraordinary gifted, talented, hardworking, disciplined, passionate people uh the other guys in the play with me uh one of them is called daniel taylor and he plays 
Tommy Cooper. I say plays Tommy Cooper. He becomes Tommy Cooper. And Daniel's partner, Sharon Byatt, plays Tommy Cooper's wife, Gwen Henty, in the play. And she is a remarkably strong actress. And I think their skill levels uh, brings mine up. You know, when I walk on stage and they're there, I thought, well, I've got to deliver these guys are good. I love doing the Tommy Cooper show. We're doing it uh, in Croydon uh, before Christmas. And then over the whole Christmas New Year period, uh, we'll be doing it in North Wales, uh, in uh, Theatre Cluid in Mould, very, very close to where I was born and brought up. So oh, wow. a huge privilege for me. Yeah, going back to your stomping ground, as it were. To, back to, to my roots. I do yeah. that a lot. And the the other thing for you in, in this play is the fact that not only are you acting, but you're acting and having to put on an accent as well. <laughs> I I am indeed. I'm playing a man called Miff Ferry, who's from Edinburgh, and he was very short and clipped. The way he spoke, he was quite precise. So uh, everything I do in the play, I do in the style of Miff Ferry. Although, to be fair, I do actually play a number of other very small parts in the play, uh, which involve different accents. But I, I work very hard on getting Miff Ferry's accent right. And we did the show up in Scotland, and uh, a chap came to see it uh, who is from Edinburgh. And I said to him, tell me, please, that uh, I've got the accent right. You know, is it a convincing Edinburgh accent, he says, Gareth, not only is it a convincing Edinburgh accent, but it sounds to me as if you're actually from Morningside, you know, a very specific part of Edinburgh. <laughs> so I was very happy with so that. So did you have to, um, I'm, I'm gathering that Miff was a, a guy that, you did actually get to hear him occasionally in, uh, in interviews and things. Uh, so yes, he was. Uh, there are some clips on YouTube of uh, a couple of documentaries that he was involved in uh, about the life of Tommy Cooper. So I've got a very accurate representation of, I hope, of, of uh, his actual voice. You know, I, I can hear his voice in my head and I, I do my best to recreate that. And I think it's good enough for rock and roll. Wow. you got to get these things right. I've also had to dye my hair red because he had um, sort of brown hair with a little bit of red in it. And my natural hair color is completely gray at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah, where I've got any hair, apart from the ball patch. So um, whilst I'm doing the Tommy Cooper show, I, I, I dye my hair red. So I'm completely in character. It's lovely being someone else. It really is. That sounds like really good fun. It is. It's a, a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. I knew it would be fun. You know, performing is always a great adrenaline rush. Uh, but it's even more satisfying than I thought it was going to be because the people that I'm in the show with are remarkable. That you know, they're they're both scousers, both Liverpoolians with a tremendous work ethic. And it reminds me of the very early days when I was a roadie for the band who became The Alarm. Uh, you know, we, we would pile everything in the van, drive halfway across the country, do the best show you possibly could, probably, hopefully, the best show anyone had ever seen, and then load everything back in the van ourselves and drive off and do another one. And doing the Tommy Cooper show is very like that. It's a very small cast. There's only three of us in the show and four of us on the production. We take a sound and lights guy with us. And... Uh, Oh, we do everything. We put in the set ourselves. I've built many of the props for the show because a lot of them are sort of magic props. And I'm quite good with props because doing 16 years of how-to, that was a very prop, <laughs> proppy show. You know, we use lots of props. So I, I've built some of the props for the show. It, it's deeply, deeply satisfying. And I'm hoping it will continue forever. Now, the reason why um, we've, we've got you on the line is, well, you, you've gone kind of, 
full circle really with your one of your next projects um because you, you've gone into uh the world of music again yeah now you're, you're going into a, a a radio show um on uh bbc radio wales tell us a little bit about the show it's called rocking the gogs now gogs i should explain if you're not welsh um if you're from north wales in, in, in welsh north is gogled so uh people from north wales are nicknamed gogs you know we're like cockneys if you're a londoner gog if you're a north walian i'm a gog and um growing up in north wales we didn't get a lot of rock and roll i say rock and roll meaning pop music rock music any live music in in north wales but there were a couple of venues which are very important to me when i was uh well in my teens really in the in the 70s and uh, in the early 80s when i was in my 20s and there were only really two places you could go and see bands one of those venues was called the dixieland show bar which was on the pier in colwyn bay this beautiful seaside town in north wales with an elegant victorian pier which was built in uh, i think 1899 or 1900 and uh it you know when venues become tatty they become rock and roll venues and this glorious theater on the pier in colwyn bay eventually became a rock and roll venue and i saw a number of bands there and in fact played there myself when i was in bands uh, 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 in punk bands and school bands and things. Uh, and it was a very important venue. It allowed North Wales access to some tremendous acts. Uh, I saw Slade there. Uh, of course, the Banshees played there, the Dam, the Anti-Nowhere League. Um, uh, Gene Vincent played there in the very early days. It has a, a tremendous, long and illustrious history, which started as a music venue in the late 50s, early 60s, you know, when rock and roll was uh, becoming established in Britain, this wow. is uh, where people went. But that's the first program. There are only two programs. It's a very short series, both sort of feature documentaries. The second show is about a different venue. Uh, the first one, the Dixieland Show Bar, because it's on a pier, is crumbling into the ocean. You know, that's what happens to piers. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's probably going to be demolished. But the second uh, venue... Uh, the second program is about a, a venue called the Tivoli in Buckley in North Wales. Now, you can explain why the Dixie had lots of people go to it. It was a seaside town. People went there on holiday. But the Tivoli in Buckley is uh, difficult to explain. It's in um, an industrial part of northeast Wales called Buckley, close to my hometown, Hollywell, where... You know, people don't go to Buckley to visit. You know, <laughs> there's terrible transport links. There's not much there, but there's this one venue that was built in 1921 as a a, a theatre and a ballroom, and it's still going today. It's still hosting bands today. Public Image played there recently. Wow, uh, Dead Men Walking were there. Bands like Uriah Heep play older rock bands uh, stiff little fingers were there not long ago and it is a remarkable place it, it's famous for being haunted but i i don't believe in ghosts but i do believe in the spirit of rock and roll inhabiting the place and yeah i i pitched these ideas to bbc radio wales and uh, and they said come in and tell us more about the program uh, which i did in detail and they they said yeah okay off you go go and make two of them i'm thrilled to bits nice to be back on radio wales so it's really good because it's promoting areas that you you grew up with. Yeah, exactly. I think that was why um, the program 
got commissioned. Um, Wales is bottom heavy in terms of population. You know, there are, there are much greater number of people living in and around Cardiff and Swansea in the industrial belt of South Wales than there are in North Wales, where I come from, which is largely uh, uh, a holiday or tourist destination these days, some farming, lots of farming and some industry. But um, North Wales often gets overlooked because, you know, you're trying to serve the greater number of people on a national radio station, which Radio Wales is. And as part of that endeavour to reach people in North Wales, if somebody turns up to the editor of Radio Wales saying, look, I've got this programme about two very specific aspects of North Wales. They uh, practically bit my hand off. Oh, great, you know, an interesting story. And, of course, I know it. They say write about what you know, and I experienced both of these venues firsthand myself. So I was able to tell a story from hopefully an educated viewpoint. And these places are crucial. I mean, you probably had venues that were important to you as a, a younger man that you went oh, to to see live bands very much so because uh, i'm from aylesbury in buckinghamshire yep. originally and aylesbury is famous for the friars club of course i think we actually played there with the alarm um, uh, i do believe a, you did yeah 84 <laughs> i think it was i think i have uh, in my file of posters, <laughs> one that might have the alarm on it, actually. Fantastic. So, um, obviously, um, th- that venue was famous for launching David Bowie's career. Wow, I, of course. Because wow, um, wow, he actually wow. la- launched Ziggy Stardust from, from that venue. Well, we can't claim David Bowie for North Wales, but we can claim Lemmy from Motorhead. It's not widely known that uh, Lemmy, although he was born in Stoke, was brought up in North Wales um, near Anglesey, in a, oh, in Anglesey, in a place called Amloch, I think. Uh, and... The, he used to go to the Dixieland in Colwyn Bay uh, as a young man. Uh, he was about 14, I think, when he moved to North Wales. And uh, he became a roadie, became the house roadie at the Dixieland. And eventually, because uh, he's such a good guitarist, was a such a good, good guitarist, uh, he used to end up jamming with the bands on stage and probably played more gigs at the Dixieland than anyone else. And when I pitched this program i knew that lemmy was poorly this was at the uh, in 2015 and i hoped to get an interview with him so i scheduled an interview for uh, february when i uh, was going to be recording the show but unfortunately lemmy died uh, with huge regret that i didn't manage to get him on the program i have interviewed him several times before he was fanned fantastic i love that man it's quite actually quite surprising how many bands he was involved with actually yeah yeah you uh talk to anyone in the music industry and they've met worked hung out got drunk got very drunk <laughs> yes <laughs> fallen over with lemmy he had a lot of friends he certainly did and uh, a very big loss to the community and uh, yeah uh, we felt it in wales you know there was a tide of uh press when uh lemmy died and of course uh, in wales we, we felt it because he, he you know he 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 admitted to being brought up in wales he would never call himself a welshman but he's certainly proud of his time in wales and uh yeah we miss him so gareth when does rocking the gogs go out yeah it's on on bbc radio wales uh it'll be broadcast on saturday the 
3rd of September at 1.30, I believe. And then it's repeated the day after at 6 o'clock. And then the second show is uh, a week later, Saturday afternoon, 1.30, the um, 11th, is it? Or the 10th, 10th. of uh, of September. And and then repeated on the 11th. It's called Rocking the Gogs. And of course, it's on the, the iPlayer. If you want to search for it, Rocking with no G, it's Rocking and the Gogs has only got two Gs in it. G-O-G-S, Rocking the Gogs. It's it's already there set up because I've, I've just added it as one of my favourites on the iPlayer app. You hero, I'm hoping that this programme will appeal to a wider audience. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to people from the area. But I think it also tells a story. It tells a social history as well about the importance of rock and roll and the importance of entertainment and how buildings appeared and indeed how we got these peers in the first place. Yeah, uh, it, it, It's a much bigger story than just about rock and roll. I, I'm very proud to have told it. Do you hope to do shows similar to that in the future? I... I'm already, uh, I can't give too much away, but I'm already uh, designing a group of programmes to follow this up, which I will be pitching to the BBC uh, tomorrow afternoon when I go to talk to them. Uh, so, uh, Excellent. yes, there will be more programmes if the BBC will let me. But uh, to be honest, when they've heard this one, they'll never let me on the pro- the channel again. <laughs> well, if, if anything comes from it, Gareth, let us know and um, we'll get you back on and uh, we'll talk about it. Mark, you're wonderful. Thank you very much for your support. I really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.